Let's pray before we consider what God has for us this morning. Our Father, we thank you for an opportunity we have to hear you from your word. We don't take it lightly. With the many voices around us, whether it be the media, the culture, Lord, all them voices we pray would be silenced as we hear your voice. And so, Holy Spirit, open our hearts to receive what you have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 28. The risen Lord calls his disciples together. He says this to them All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. On any given weekend, there's something that dominates. It's called football. It's hard not to miss what's going on, whether it would be the Badgers and Gophers yesterday. I won't elaborate on that for Dwayne's sake. Or it could be a game going on today. Uh, football seems to dominate. And when you watch a football game, there's two teams. There's a home team and a visiting team. These two teams are at war. These two teams are in a battle. These two teams are going in opposite directions. These two teams usually don't like each other for two hours. At least. These two teams are trying to stop each other. But there's a third team on the field. This third team has no allegiance to either team. This third team isn't going to be swayed for loyalty to any of the other two teams. This third team's not siding with any team. This third team's not even called to win the game. This third team's called to serve a higher authority. You see, this third team, this team of officials... This third team's different. This third team belongs to another kingdom. It's called the NFL. And the NFL has a commissioner in which these officials answer to. They answer to a higher authority and they have a specific call. And this call for this third team of official is to bring clarity to all the confusion and the chaos going on in the field. You see, they have a call. And this third team can't be swayed by the crowd. They can't be concerned by applause or even intimidated by the booze. All these are irrelevant to this third team of officials. What is significant to this third team of officials is what the commissioner thinks. It's interesting, commissioners given this third team a book. And this book is guidelines for how this third team is to operate. This book is to how they are to, to outline their responsibilities on the field this book is guidelines to their call to bring clarity in order to the chaos and the battle that they're on the field with this third team's on the field but they're not of the field they're situated in the midst of chaos but they're not of the chaos they're in the midst of this crisis to carry out their call you see this third team has another call they have another book they have another mission. And what the officials on the football field are, the church is to be in the world. 
We are in a war, a battle, a chaos, a crisis, and the church has a specific call. In the midst of this chaos on the field, we've been given a book by our commissioner to give us guidelines as to what our mission is, what our call is. And this call comes from a higher authority. We're not to be swayed by opinions, preferences, applause, or booze, but by pleasing the one who calls us, the king of his kingdom. We are on the field, but we're not of the field. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. If there's chaos on the field, it's because this third team isn't carrying out the mission they've been called to. And if official goes off on his own, he answers to the commissioner. And if official goes off on his own, he'll no longer have the support of the commissioner. If a church goes off on its own, it will no longer have the support of its savior. You see, this third team of officials and this team called the church, we have a mission. We have a clarion call given to us. And as we wrap up this series called The Body, this morning we need to talk about the body's call. What are we called to? What are we supposed to be doing as God's people? You know, there's different questions churches have to be concerned about. One is, who are we? Who who are we as a church? And it kind of addresses the issues of our core values. I call it the marketplace question. If you're in the middle of the marketplace shopping and someone comes up and says, tell me about Elam, your answer would reflect your core values or what you believe the core values of Elam would be. You might say, well, Elam is friendly. Uh, Elam has great programs. Elam has phenomenal worship. There would be some things that would surface in your mind and they would reflect who we are as a church. There's another question that churches concern themselves. Where are we going? That's a vision question. What does God have for us down the road? But the question we need to deal with is, what are we supposed to be doing? There's a lot of things churches do. But when you clear it all away, what are we really supposed to be doing as a church? Mission clarity is essential. Mission answers the question, what are we supposed to be doing? And there's really three mission killers that that really we need to be concerned about. One is lack of clarity. What is our mission? If we don't know what we're supposed to be doing, we're just going to try to do everything, in which case we'll never accomplish the one thing. Poor directions. How do we get there? (laughs) Uh, And somehow maybe we think it just happens. It doesn't just happen. There's intentionality involved in carrying out a mission. And maybe lack of enthusiasm. Maybe it's no longer promoted. Maybe a mission's no longer embraced. Or maybe you don't see yourself in regard to the mission. Whichever one of those three, they're all mission killers. But we've been given a mission as a church. It's God-given. Matter of fact, the passage I read, Jesus began before He even gave the mission by saying all authority... All legitimate authority has been given to me. In other words, I call the shots. I'm in charge. Others might have a stick, but I got the badge. I have all authority. And because I have all authority, I call the shots, and here's what I'm telling you. Here's your mission. Lest you think it was just an agreement of the majority. Hey, what do you think the church should do? And he says, no, 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 clear the way. All authority has been given to me, and here's what I'm telling you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. 
All nations. It's pretty wide scope, pretty wide sway. But there's other places we read about this mission. Acts 1.8, the resurrected Lord tells the disciples in verse 7, he says, hey, quit worrying about the future right now. i got something for you to do now. You're going to be my witnesses, and I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, guys, i got something for you to do. And it's no small thing. It's a big mission. It's an expanding mission. In 2 Corinthians 5, Apostle Paul, he talks about what this is, verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things, they've passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in the Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us that's us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us we beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Each of these passages speak to the importance of our mission. In other words, our job is not to create the mission. Our job is to embrace a mission that's already been given. It's our job to discover it. And we will learn what that mission is from Scripture. And this mission causes us again to answer the question, what are we supposed to be doing? Jesus predetermined the mission of the church. And he designed his people to survive and thrive in any economy, any political system, any social environment. His church is designed to be the most missional entity in all the world. It's a, it will be, matter of fact, the most significant, the most effective endeavor on the face of the earth. Because nothing, of nothing did God ever say that even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, the church is supposed to be incredibly missional. Because our God is missional. If you don't think so, think of Christmas. It's a rescue mission, right? God came down to rescue humanity. That's very missional. So we shouldn't be surprised that God has given His people a mission. So I believe the single most important thing any ministry can do is to provide maximum clarity for a church as to what our mission is. Thus, kind of the reason for this message. Because if it's not clear, we'll wander. We'll drift. We ought to be mission-driven. It should be clear in what gets priority in all our planning and all our programs. Let me give an example of how the early church modeled this. Acts chapter 8, verse 40. This is just one of, I could cite several verses, but it's one verse and it spells it out well. Philip, an evangelist, verse 8 Chapter 8, verse 40 says, Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all cities until he came to Caesarea. <clears throat> I want you to notice, thinking, he preached the gospel. That was his focus. 
He kept doing it. There was consistency, and he did it to all the cities. There was urgency. He had a focus. He had a consistency and an urgency. And that's a nice challenge for us as a church. What's our focus? And are we keeping on, keeping on? And is there a sense of urgency? Now, I want to make sure we don't confuse mission with methodology. We can't confuse mission with institutional churches. We're not called to build a bigger church in the sense maybe of an institution. We're not called to a certain method. We're not called necessarily to be purpose-driven or seeker-service-sensitive. We're called to a mission, specifically, that can be expressed in different ways. Tim Addington, in his book, High Impact, states five dysfunctions of churches that negatively impact being a missional church. Control, bureaucracy, mistrust, ambiguity, and a professional ministry. In other words, they forget their spiritual ministry. As I read through the list, it's, it's really interesting that those five things, control, bureaucracy, mistrust, ambiguity, and a professional ministry, are what's true of the business world. It's never to be of the church. The church is never a business. We've never been called to be a business. We're called to be God's people. As a matter of fact, leadership and governance structures have one function in the church. That's to help the congregation accomplish the mission we're called to. We've been called to a mission. And there's the context of mission. And I kind of summarize a little bit about something we talked about here. Because it's important. Because the church isn't somewhere we go. The church is something we are. And Paul in Ephesians 3 talked about the fact that theology, which is the study of God, without ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, is a disconnect that God does not make. I know people who said, well, I have Jesus, I don't need the church. Well, that might sound really good, except there's one problem. This Jesus you say you need commanded you to be part of his church. So if you say you're going to claim the name of Jesus, you can't ignore the fact that there's this thing called the church. Because Paul preached Christ and the church. And so since he preached that we're part of the church, that means we're part of the mission given to the church. Every single believer in here is part of that mission. Not just some. Not just a few. Not just those above 15. If you're 12, you're part of this mission too. If you're 8, you're part of this mission. So don't hide behind dad and mom. We're all called to be part of this mission. In Ephesians 1, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, talked about God has a plan It's an incredible plan. It originated before the creation of the world. It'll be consummated when the time reaches its fulfillment. And this plan has an orientation. In other words, it's already set in place until all things will be brought under the headship of Jesus Christ. And if you put it all together, God has a plan, and we're part of it. God's called us to a mission, His mission, and we're part of it. He's called us to that. The church is something God has built out of a fractured world. We're a new reconciled group. There's no other group like the church. I really hope after the series you appreciate what the church is and who we are. You see, God brought together and is bringing together most unlikely people. They become the spiritual family called the church. Intentionally planted in geographical locations. We are exhibit A to rulers and spirits in the heavenly realms, Ephesians tells us. We are to have a laser-like focus on the mission that we're called to. 
The church is who we are, through whom God does His eternal work, the mission He's called us to. Now, there's always glass half-empty type people, we'll call them, who may say, you know what, what if people don't want to be led? I mean, what if people don't want to really commit or fully devote themselves to this mission? I mean, what if the demonic forces assault us? What if the culture opposes us? What if there's conflict within? What if I was hurt before? What if it looks like my schedule's so full? It's almost like God knew we'd worry and ask those questions, so he gave us Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever comprehend or imagine, to him be glory in the church forever and ever. There go our excuses, because he can do abundantly more. Think of the biggest thing you could ever picture God doing. The biggest thing. And it's far beyond that. That's pretty big. I can think of some big things, I think. But I haven't even scratched the surface of what God is able to do. And so this mission is to be carried out by His body and His power and His, for His glory. But what's this mission's focus? We find it in Ephesians 4. This kind of builds off of Matthew 28, which I read. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, he being Jesus, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs in the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Simply put, first of all, the mission's a call to action. And it's easily, it can be lost in the vagueness of what a disciple is. We use that word a lot, not really sure what it is. But what is it we're supposed to be? I mean, what specifically is the focus? Because the reality is we're all in different places on our spiritual journey. We're, we're, we've had different experiences. Some of us came to Christ just recently. Some of us came to Christ maybe 25, 30 years ago. We all have different struggles. We're at different places and seasons in our life. We're all at different places. So what does that mean for our focus? What's the common focus we're to have? According to Matthew 28 and this, there's supposed to be this body that's being built up. We're being built up towards something. Maturity. There needs to be this corporate focus that Paul talks about and Jesus talked about. We here at Elam have a three-point mission statement. The elders, I believe, refreshed it not long ago. And it speaks to mission. It speaks to what we're supposed to be doing in a concise way in which we can embrace it and understand it and engage with it. Elam mission exists. In other words, Elam mission has as its mission. 
Helping people come to know Christ. It starts there. Helping them grow in their faith. And helping them become engaged in ministry. Three elements. They're part of the mission. Let's look at the first one. Helping people come to know Christ. I elaborated on this a few weeks ago on the body's engagement with the lost. But I want to talk about a couple things here. It's extending the love of Jesus Christ, this gospel message, to our community. In other words, a large part of our mission is outward, believe it or not. It's going outside these walls with a message. First of all, we have a corporate witness. I don't say that. Jesus said that. matter of fact, Jesus not only said it, He prayed for it. He said to His disciples, the new commandment I give to you guys, I want you to love one another. Because all men are going to know something. That you're my disciples. If you love one another. Part of our corporate witness, part of our helping people know Christ, is what you and I are before a watching world. And the way they love, the way we love one another, should cause the world to step back and say, you know what, there's something different about a dynamic there. Look at how they love one another. In John 17, Jesus prayed for us. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. Why? So the world would know who He is. We are to love one another so the world may know. We are to be unified so the world may know. Part of what we are, part of our witness, part of our helping people know Christ is corporately who we are before a watching world. But it really does get personal too. As individual Christians, we are calling to our mission field. Your mission field may be school, might be the workplace, might be recreation programs, might be government positions. But our mission begins in Kokato, goes to Howard Lake and Dassel, some ways down to Hutchinson and outward. It's our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And our mission goes where Scott goes. It's that extending, it's that expansive when we help people know Jesus Christ. And any resources we spend on helping others know Christ, never an expense. It's always an investment. Helping others find Jesus is why the church has been left here. It's our responsibility. It's our privilege. I shared this with a couple staff, and I'll share it with you because it's something I'm passionate about. There's going to be a lot of activity in heaven. There's going to be education. We're always going to be learning more about God, right? I mean, because He's inexhaustible. There'll always be education. There's always going to be worship. We'll worship Christ forever. And it'll be phenomenal as we join the myriads and myriads of angels. So there'll always be education. There'll always be worship. There'll always be fellowship. I mean, heaven will be comprised of all believers. But there's one activity that won't take place in heaven. Evangelism. Right? Everyone there is already saved. We better get at it now. It's the only one thing on earth we won't be doing in glory. That's why I'm so grateful the first part of our mission says helping people come to know Christ. It's why we've been left on earth. It's a key part of our mission is helping people know Christ. There's a second part. It's an important part. It's, it's certainly based on all of Scripture. It's helping others grow in their faith. But what does that mean? In their faith, sometimes that can mean a lot of different things, i.e. in your relationship with God. 
your faith in Christ, which entered you to a new relationship. We are called to help people grow in their faith, to become growing and vibrant disciples. Matt, Jesus said you're to make disciples, to bring people into this warm incubator called the church and help them grow. How? Well, grow to defend their faith, to live out their Christ-like life, to share that faith, to live out that faith in their marriage, in their relationships before their peers and in the workplace, to develop personal time with God, to discover their giftedness, to express those gifts. We are to help people to express themselves in worship. We're to help them obey Romans 12, 1 through 2. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is their spiritual worship. We are to help people grow in these ways. And as a ministry at Elam, we're committed to discipling every believer, every believer that God brings through these doors to grow in their relationship with God, everyone, young and old. That's why Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians 13, 9. He says, this we pray, that you might become mature. That you might grow in your faith. You'll be trained. You'll be discipled. That you would live on foreign soil in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the battle, and carry out the mission God's called you to, to grow towards Jesus. That's lived out on so many different levels, is it not? I mean, that's one-on-one. That's meeting with people one-on-one at the grounds on a regular basis, encouraging them, helping them, studying together, providing accountability. It's in community groups where we love on each other and journey together and find a little bit more intimate setting than all these 300 people together. It's lived out corporately as we grow together and learn together. It's lived out on women's ministry functions when women get together And they bless each other and share common struggles. You see, this whole thing about growing is lived on many different levels, and to a certain degree it's hard to legislate it. It's hard to be program-driven because programs, by nature of programs, are somewhat limiting in that they have a structure that that program provides, and that's not bad. Programs are good. But that's not the end in itself. We are to help each other grow in our faith and grow in our relationship with God, it's part of our mission. But there's a third part, that all would be engaged in ministry. Paul said this Ephesians 4 passage I read, that they'd be equipped for works of service as each individual part does its work. We are to be equipped so everyone does works of service. Each individual person does works of service. In other words, as a church, we are called to release the gifts in the body to help discover and train and release that everyone would be engaged in ministry. People of all ages would be serving God. As a church, we want to train because serving's for everybody. As a church, we want to encourage. We want to resource. We want to release. We want people to take ownership of ministry because they're part of it. It's part of the mission we at Elam have been called to. Every believer here has incredible potential to impact the kingdom of God via the work of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you has a key part to play. And God's Spirit can use you in some profound ways. I personally believe that the dynamic of leadership here 
is to help identify passionate persons, equip them, train them, that they have the freedom to be creative and give their personal touch to ministry and to mission. In other words, this idea of a permission-granting, empowering ministry that has an emphasis on deploying as many people as possible to carry out the mission. Some of you say, well, I'm not even sure what to do here. There's a board and a foyer, and I think they took the list down to edit it, but it'll be up there, I promise. It has all the different various spiritual gifts listed and ways to express them. There's probably more than that beyond that, but you're like, I'm not sure where to go. That, that will be up there, back there on the board, and you can kind of check it out and say, wow, I, I think I'm gifted here in all oh, these ways. I didn't know the church did this, or I didn't know I could maybe express my gift that way, and that will help you. That will help you engage in this part of the mission to be engaged in ministry. There's current ministry needs all over the place coming up. I see Carrie Nelson, there's some women's ministry needs. Ways you can express your gift and become engaged in ministry and helping people come to know Christ or helping them grow in their faith. Carrie's over there. And uh, raise your hand, Carrie, in case they don't know you. Come on. Okay, there you go. And uh, so she's someone you can run to after service and say, I'm in the game and help me. Where can I serve? And, and so we want everyone engaged in ministry because not just because it's a good thing to do, but it's our mission what we've been called to do help people come to know christ help people grow in their relationship with god and help engage in serving god and mission or in ministry that's our mission all programs all traditions all methods are to serve our mission and if they don't we probably shouldn't be investing resources in them it's okay at times to let ministries die out if it's not serving our mission and so as a church, we should always be evaluating how are we doing on our mission. As a personal Christian, you should be asking yourself, family, how are we doing on our mission? Are we helping people know Jesus? Are we helping them grow in their faith? And are we helping them become more engaged in ministry? This is not a day for a mundane, half-hearted effort. This is not a day to ride out the days. It's not a day for sitting in the bleachers. Today's a day for his church to carry out his calling. But there's one point that we've got to make as we wrap this up. That's the mission's power. Acts chapter 1. Go back there if you would. The risen Christ, He's appeared to His disciples on and off for 40 days. Hard to place yourself in the disciples' mindset. I mean, they had all their dreams and hopes dashed when the one they followed, the one they thought was the Messiah and Savior of the world was crucified, then three days later with everything at their, their bottom, all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> he's alive. And they found out indeed he was the Savior of the world. He is the risen Christ. And so you can imagine their, their emotions are all, all over the place. And you also can imagine this group failed miserably. I mean, when the pressure came, they buckled. And yet Jesus is going to entrust to this group, these very men who failed, leadership of this newborn church. Now, you would think Jesus would say to them, okay guys, hurry up. Launch a major campaign. I want you to go to hit several cities now. You need to tell them now the message of redemption. Go, go guys, now. But look at verse 4. He tells them the opposite. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. That's interesting. A, we don't like to wait. <laughs> I'm sure they were no different. 
But why did he tell him to wait? For what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. Well, what is this they're supposed to wait for? Why? They're supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus knew the power and the strongholds of the enemy. He knew what the disciples would face. He knows how much wisdom and discernment they would need. In essence, Jesus says, you know the the mission, you know the message, but you'll never accomplish it without the power of my Spirit. It'll just be activity. You see, it's the Holy Spirit is the dynamic that He brings into our efforts. It's the Holy Spirit who brings His dynamic into our worship. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the message to bring revival and to change lives. And we're not surprised as we read through Acts that their preaching and teaching and community had a supernatural element to it. It seems so often is lacking today. It's because we think we're good sometimes. The church in America thinks we're pretty slick. We've got nice programs and we can, we can market ourselves well. But we don't need better marketing. We just need more surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because that's where our power comes from. Starting in the early church, is no different here. And help was given, not just around the edges, but they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 1.8 hasn't been rescinded. You, we will receive power. Power to be His witnesses. We can plan, we can strategize, we can work hard to carry out our mission we are called to, but if we try in our own strengths, our efforts are going to accomplish little. Yet if we go out with complete dependence upon and surrender to the Holy Spirit, look out. Hang on. (laughs) That's why we must pray. That's why we must support everything in prayer. Because I'm convinced the Holy Spirit longs to produce a climate at Elam Church that's anything but dull and boring. He has a great work for us. His people, placed here on a mission, We are indeed really a family, a body, and we're on a mission. Many years ago, I I took a trip with some friends. We went to the Boundary Waters uh, up by Canada. If you've ever been up there, it's just beautiful out there. And and the fishing's always great. And and so we were out there, and we had three canoes, and we paired up. And um, we had the first day, we we really wanted to get to a certain spot. And so the first day was kind of, we were given it. And, And I noticed the other two canoes, and... And I'm like, man, we're having a hard time keeping up with them guys. And so I said, Gary, we better dig it in a little bit. They're going to lose us because we got to get to this certain campground. And so we're going in the day, and I'm like, why on earth are we so far behind? I said, Gary, do we got a bad canoe? No, I don't think so. We finally got there. And the guys were already there. They were unpacked and everything. And we finally got there. And, and I'm apologizing to the guys. I'm, guys, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why we're so far back. We, we knew we had to get here. And, and we knew our job, our, our purpose for the day was to get to this campground, but it just seemed like it took us for a long time. The guys were chuckling a little bit. And they said, you don't really know, do you, Matt? Know what? I'm thinking. They said, you were the only one paddling half the time. So what do you mean? Gary was fishing. Seriously. And, uh, and so that's why they gave me Gary, probably. But uh, here we were. We, we were moving towards a destination. But only one was paddling. Only one. 
Are you paddling? Are you moving towards a mission? Or are you in the back making no effort? We're all called. All of us called to a mission. So everybody, pick up your paddle. Let's pray. Lord, it occurred to me this week that there's probably never a better time to talk about our mission than entering Christmas. We have so many opportunities to make you known. We have so many opportunities to help people know what Christmas is really about. We have many opportunities to help people grow and help them become engaged in ministry. And my prayer is, God, that each of us would would get that sense of call in our life that we're all part of this mission. And you didn't give this mission as just a good idea. But it's come from you, the commissioner, the one who has all authority. So Lord, help us to live it out each and every day as your people. Knit our hearts together, knit our efforts together so we'd accomplish what you've called us to. And Lord, might the end result be of our efforts and the way we do it be your glory and your honor and your pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.